yum nub. He chucked the yum nub. I told me to be chicken. Hello, and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie, and if I could do it again, I'd wake up early and be fighting these bastards from the start. And my name is Matt, and it's not wise to upset a Wookiee. That is true. It is true. Let the Wookiee win. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, today we will be talking about um, Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 6, called Tribe, which is, drumroll... Wookies. For those the Wookie you, tribe. Yep. <laughs> it's the one. It's the the one Wookie episode they're allowed per uh, per season. So Matt, what did you do since the last time we we recorded uh, Star Wars related? I've been I've been building out the Star Wars Star Wars Galaxy's Edge outpost, whatever I'm going to call this this floor of my house. Um, we got a Lola droid. Like the little droid that Leia had in Obi Wan. Yeah, they're it's like a ladybug. It's cute. Theo loves it, or the littlest man loves it. Yeah, it's like, very um, batteries not included uh, vibes going from Lola. Uh, yeah, for those agreed. Of you, yeah, those of you who weren't kids in the '80s, that was a pretty well. I I don't know if it holds up, but a movie about like these alien. Um, uh, robots that come and help save some older folks whose building was targeted to be uh, demolished. Kind of like developer, yeah. Kind of like up, but instead of um, instead of uh, flying away on balloons, they got these robots to help them. Yeah, I actually. So we have a. You know that we do family movie night, um, and once a week, one of us gets to pick a movie, and we just rotate through. I there's been a lot of nights where the kids just can't think of one and sometimes the wife too so i just made a list of movies this weekend and i just made like maybe a hundred movies uh, that i think are appropriate for family movie night and i put better is not included on there because i think it's it's I, I don't know if it holds up but i assume it does like it's not i mean we watched the the littlest man tonight pick space balls <laughs> we, wow. we watched yeah we watched that i discouraged it <laughs> Stop looking um, up my can. That's not even that's not even the bad part. I didn't even know what that really meant until I got to college. <laughs> that's just like the naked gun where he's like, nice beaver. It's like, oh, okay. It's stuffed beaver. That's funny. And then it's like, oh. Yeah. I mean, there's like, I'll just say it. Like, I don't find Mel Brooks funny. Like, I he had he had his time. But his stuff, his shit does not hold up at all. Oh, no, 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 it does. No, it doesn't. Like, yeah, it's it does. Too, it's too referential. There's a joke about the Doublemint twins. There's a running joke about the Doublemint twins in this movie. And nobody, even even someone with, like, my memory barely can remember them. Okay, yeah. N- not every joke hits, but overall, there's th- those movies still hold up. and They're still really funny. There, there's definitely funny moments, but like, I don't know. It's like the style and everything. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm not a big fan. So like, Young Frankenstein. So Young Frankenstein. So Young Frankenstein is probably my favorite of his movies, followed closely by Blazing Saddles. But even Blazing Saddles has jokes that don't land, that don't make sense. Oh, and they also use the N word quite a lot. 
but but even even aside from like the social issues with it, there's a running gag in that movie where where the main villain is called Headley Lamar, and he keeps and people keep calling him Hedy Lamar, and he keeps correcting people because Hedy Lamar is a famous female actor of like this of days of old mm-hmm. from this point of view, like forty fifty years ago at this point. Nobody alive watching TV today, movies today, would get that joke. And that joke comes around ten times in that movie. Yeah, but you know what? I've never laughed at that joke in that movie. Because but, you don't care who Hedy Lamar is. <laughs> I know. I, I, I find the other parts funny where Sheriff asks um, – um, oh, I can't think of his name now. Gene – Gene Wilder, what he likes to do, and he and he says, "Play chess and screw." And he's like, "Well, let's play chess." <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff like <laughs> where he's like, where he's like, "Hey boys," and then he's like, "Where are the white women at?" And then to get the clan guys to follow them, right? And I mean, yeah, there's some stuff that it could be done. Like people say, like a movie like that couldn't be done today, and I it think could it could be. be. Yeah. You just have to be. You just have to be very careful and just be – you have to make it – you have to make sure that every joke, like, lands and it's not, like, mean-spirited. It's not the irreverence or, like, the the parody of racism and things that I don't like about about the movies. It's, it's just – so we watched it tonight. There are – there were parts where I was laughing, for sure. But it's also – it's just such a tired – premise to me i guess i guess it just they all just sort of run together in my mind because they're not super clever i do like young frankenstein though i think that's a good movie and then he he did do he made elephant man too and there's a whole i watched a documentary about him years ago there's this whole thing about when he wanted to do elephant man however everyone was like you're gonna make fun of elephant man he's like no i want to do a real movie like i want to do like something that people care about not just like dick jokes Right, but anyway, like I, I, I sort of discouraged Spaceballs because my kids are eleven and seven, and I knew there was a couple of jokes in there, like "Don't look at my can" and the Virgin Alarm going off, and and yeah. Dot saying like "I go off before you do," and then there's like the Doublemint Twin joke, and then there's and then he gets he gets a call in his office. Um, Brooks gets a call in his office when he's having a threesome with them. <laughs> and like that's also like I think that's also problematic because because they're sisters. When when and did that when did that movie come out? Late eighties, I think. Um it was a while. Oh, nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, I was Yeah. Yeah, eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, so. I was tw- I was twelve when that movie came out. Yeah, I um, was eight. I was sorry, I was seven when it came out, so yeah, I didn't get half the jokes. Um, the thing I like about – swing this back around to Star Wars eventually. But the thing I do like about like a lot of those movies is that they're – and even like the Naked Gun movies and like the airplane movies is that there are jokes that I didn't get as a kid that I get now. Right. Like I said, like the beaver joke. The um, Re- Reinflating the co-pilot joke. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I, the, the, Leslie Nielsen's the same to me though. Like, like both of these guys 
tell the same joke over and over and over again, and it works, but it just gets a little tired. You know, come when I, you you know how long it took me to get like, Nikki Gunn. Like everywhere I look, something reminds me of her. I didn't get that for the longest time, and eventually, just all of a sudden, I just I saw it, and he's looking at two (laughs) humongous structures that look like breasts. (laughs) Yeah. I. I'm sorry. I find that I find it all hilarious. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm replaying Blazing Saddles in my mind, and it is pretty funny. <clears throat> but but the I didn't put any Mel Brooks movies on the list of movies for the kids. I put things like if you want to watch like Three Amigos, like let's, let's watch Three Amigos. That's funny. Yeah. Those guys are creative and good, and I think they would get a real kick out of that. I watched Three Amigos when I was like seven, and I thought it was the funniest thing on the planet. I don't know. Also, well, if you Google they... Spaceballs, the very first question is, can my 11-year-old watch Spaceballs? The answer, <laughs> <laughs> this movie, while very funny and enjoyable, is not appropriate for young children. There's excessive swearing, which is not suitable for more sensitive audiences. Most of the humor in this film is adult. This is from some will parent your kids for you website. Uh, yeah. so. People who don't want to do the, do the work. Just, just to ground everyone in my parenting style is when Rick Moranis is saying, I'm surrounded by assholes on the bridge of Spaceball One. Um, my seven-year-old laughing said, yeah, they're all assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and I just took another sip of beer. <laughs> well, one thing about being a child of the 80s was that at me like a latchkey kid. My mom was pretty loosey goosey when it came to like, like what movies you could watch, uh, or or rent. We would like, just not a spoiler, but like for you youngins, back before DVDs, there was VHS players, and back before everybody had a VHS player, you could rent like one of the big massive ones, and then like, <clears throat> um, and then rent movies, and we would do that and just rent like a shitload of movies, and watch movies. All like weekend, and like my mom was, she, she was not picky. And there's only one time I think I can remember where she she was just like, "Oh no, we're not, we can't watch this." Uh, it was some called movie called Gothic, which was it looked it looked like it had an interesting cover, but then there's a lot of explicit sex stuff, and she's just like, "That's a bridge too far even for her." <laughs> this this is the woman who who allowed me to rent Toxic Avenger. <laughs> Man, Toxic Avenger is a great movie. I would not put it on the list of family movies, though. <laughs> Anything from trauma. Um, yeah, so when we, when I was uh, in first grade, we got our, a VCR at home, and it was huge. It might have been a gift from somebody, because we were pretty poor back then. I remember the two movies that we had was the animated version of The Hobbit, um, and then I got a bootleg copy of Empire... This would have been like 1986 or 7. And then, for some reason, we had a copy of the movie The Wall. <laughs> the, Pink, the Pink Floyd movie. That seems... You're, you're, that, doesn't, that doesn't really seem to like jazz with what I know about your, your dad. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, well, so, it was, so my dad... Yeah, we can talk about that, but he was a huge Pink Floyd fan. But anyway, I watched the shit out of that Hobbit movie, 
and then I would rent movies like Wizard, the that nuclear war movie, Wizard, Wizards, Wizards, Wizard? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about it in like our like our very first episode. Yeah, we probably did, um, because it's the same animation style as the holiday special sort of thing, or um, that Nelvana Christmas movie. Um, yeah, Wizard, Wizards. So I used to I used to love that movie, and that movie is mm, that is like a that's like a '70s parent. It's like, like look at the jugs on her sort of parent. Um, that movie's wild. Um, that that was that I watched that as a kid. And the wall um, actually gave me nightmares for years. I I would wake up thinking I was um, trapped in the movie The Wall. I think I saw that movie for for the first time when I was five. Wow, I, I I've only seen it once. Like. Um... A mutual friend of ours, um, he had a laser disc player, and he had the wall, and he didn't have a place for it, so I held on to it. And one time, I watched it and just pretty much as high on cold medicine because I was sick, not because I chug cold medicine anymore. Um, and it uh, or any less. <laughs> and it was just like it blew my mind, and I was in my twenties, but of course I was, I was tripping a little bit from the. Uh, Robitussin or whatever it was that I was taking. Yeah, pseudoephedrine. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we got way off topic there. Um, <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about the wall, honestly, but oh. but we watched we watched Spaceballs tonight, and and I'll, I I would give the movie overall as a parody because you have to grade it as a parody. It's it's a C plus. And... <sighs> I just don't think it's. I just don't find it that funny. I'm sorry. <sighs> now this is America, and everybody's entitled to their opinions, even if they're wrong. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. But okay, sure. I will. Yeah. So we we haven't bookmarked where we are in real time. Um, today is Super Sunday. Yes. In 2023. And I didn't watch the game. Yeah. I did. I did have a pretty good tweet where I said, "There's an awful lot of football for this Rihanna concert." <laughs> <laughs> My wife watched the halftime show because she likes Rihanna, um, and then she went to band practice and didn't watch the rest, right? Because my wife's in a band. Um, and I just, yeah, I I like exploring movies. I'm glad I watched it. It's. It's so easy to reach down for the Druish joke in that movie, and they do it too much. Yeah, but I, I didn't get that as a kid. But I get it now, and I'm, and I'm, and they do it a dozen, half a dozen times, and it's I, like, okay, this is funny. Okay, I've, it's I've, funny. I have a good portion of my uh, family is Druish, and I married into a Druish family, and. Some of it's, I think, I still find it funny. Like my, my father-in-law loves it. It's fine. It's just not my style, I guess. And like I said, I think the joke is funny. What I don't like about his movies is how repetitive the jokes get. And I will say that the, the watching the movie during the movie joke, where they mm-hmm. go get space balls and they put it in the VCR and they play it, that got a huge laugh in the house. And I appreciated that joke too. Because it is it's poking fun at like media, and it's it's a thoughtful joke. Yeah. Rick Moranis plays it fucking perfect. Rick Moranis is a genius too. I love Rick Moranis. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's always going to, in parody movies like that, there's always going to be stuff that like, it doesn't, um, it's not going to hit after a certain point. Cause like nobody knows who Michael Winslow is anymore because nobody's watching the, the police academies movies because those movies do not hold up. I think Steve Gutenberg's a national treasure. <laughs> wow. Ready to shit on, ready to shit on space balls, but you're going to, you're going to go to bat for police <laughs> academy. <laughs> Holy shit. No. Police academy. Police academy is one of those movies that wasn't funny at the time. It was barely funny at the time where, where the joke was, Oh, they sent them to the gay bar. And like, like, like they sent the the stuffy, the stuffy commodore to the gay bar. Um, yeah, the blue the blue oyster club. No, it was like called the manhole or something. No, that's an actual bar in Chicago. But it the was manhole like, is yes. Um, oh. it, it's in Boys Town in Chicago. Um, because my friend used to live in Boys Town, and he told me that, and I'm just like, yeah, that's why you know. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> <just> like shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to leave that alone and move forward. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll never step to your knowledge of gay bars in Chicago again, Jamie. <laughs> I feel like an idiot for even talking to you about it. Did you do any Star Wars this week? <laughs> well, when I wasn't at my favorite drinking establishment in Chicago, I honestly, I don't even know if it's it's there anymore. I've been It's been a long time since I've been to Chicago. But, um... Yeah, I've um, I was feeling I was actually feeling kind of bummed because I was just having some just some health problems like this hernia surgery repair thing that's still still bugging me after a couple of years. So I was just feeling kind of down, and so I decided that like and I was, so I was and I was just listening to my normal music, my that my musical tastes that have like pretty much halted since around I since I turned like twenty five. And so it's a lot of like depressing sort of uh, stuff. So I decided to I listened to actually I listened to uh, some of the soundtrack to uh, the original Star Wars and the the uh, the, the final um, throne room um, that 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 really just like lifted my spirits. The the Vader Luke fight in Emperor Palpatine's throne room. No, in, uh, no. Sorry, I don't know why I said it that way. No, at the very uh, end of Episode Four, when they get their medals. Oh, the Yavin ceremony. Yeah, that was like. Gotcha. I love that music. I tried to get my wife to that to be our uh, recessional when we got married, and she was like, absolutely not. Though, a friend of mine had done it, and then my sister did it. So I was like. Damn it! But it just made me feel really good. So then I started watching just various parts of um, like Andor that I that I really got a kick out of, like because um, like on YouTube they have like some of like the monologues that people give, like uh, Mar like Marva's, um, Luthen's, and then that's your quote, right? Marva's yeah, or Marva's monologue, and then like like the one where like they got the. Um, his the guy's manifesto just from that sort of stuff and then just then like, like of course I, I watched um the latest bad batch which came out with two episodes and it was great and just um i don't know little things here and there i think his name was nemec with Nemec. the manifesto yeah yeah 
I, I, I didn't tell you, I don't think I told you this, but I did watch, I went back to Clone Wars Season 7, and I watched two of um, the Bad Batch arc episodes, the first two. I didn't get to, I didn't get to Order 66, but I got to um, A Distant Echo and On Their Wings of Caracas, or whatever it's called. Um, so, so that was, it was interesting to go back and watch that. And I did that because of, of what we're going to talk about soon, because um, I rewatched a bunch of the animatics of the unproduced Clone Wars episodes the previous week, um, and I was sort of was sort of putting together like a writing project for myself to talk about legacy Clone Wars stuff that never got produced. Um, and so I went back and I watched those, and the tone is present, but they this crew was written so cocksure. And confident, it is wild. Like, like when they're all together, they know they're invincible, and they barely care that they're clones. Like they're talking about like how shitty the regs are and how they don't follow follow the rules, and that the rules are for lesser clones like everybody else. And they have a one hundred percent success rate, and they've never failed in a mission, and they have their own tactics and everything. It was, it's a pretty. <clears throat> They were basically kings, kings on the battlefield, and then the battle ended. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing now is them like trying to reestablish their confidence and identity by going all these on these crazy failed missions. Yeah, it's a great it was a great thing to check in on. I'll put it that way. I really enjoyed watching those episodes. I, I watched two or three. I might have watched three because it's so easy on the. But I, I honestly think I don't do enough sort of revisiting Star Wars. There's so much new stuff. That my watch when I went back through and watched Kenobi again, I I saw so much more stuff I didn't see on the first round of watching. Um, that just made me love it more. And then, like I like I've said before, rewatching Book of Boba Fett, um, that show did not deserve the shit it got from people, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think their biggest mistake was that they should have just said that it wasn't going to be an anthology series. And that could have just smoothed everything over. Yeah, I mean, when I, I'll put it this way. When I rewatched Book of Boba Fett, I skipped the non-Boba Fett episodes. And I was like, this actually is beautiful, right? And they could they could have easily made more episodes of that, I think. I, I do think the pacing of that, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to criticize it because I think that that show is insanely rewatchable if you just give it a chance. You just want to, there's a lot of Star Wars that's just mindless. Mm-hmm. I try to dig down deep and and delve into what's meaningful and and what's what makes sense and and all the connective tissue and everything and do legitimate literary analysis of it but a lot of it is just like like here is an air show don't try to figure out what the plot of an air show is just watch the jets fly to do low passes over the airfield and watch the harrier land it doesn't have to all be high art. You don't have to force it into a high art thing. Sometimes a quadrophenia scooter chase is just a quadrophenia scooter chase. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be more than that. Anyway, once again, I apparently am in, in the mood to rant tonight. So we should probably just move on. Yeah. All right. So um, I guess should we get to talking about the episode? Sure. And unfortunately for everybody, it is my turn to go. On the episode. Um, normally, right before we talk about the episode, which today is season two, episode six of Bad Batch, entitled Tribe. Jamie already told us that. Um, 
its original air date was February 1st, 2023. But I put this on Twitter when the show aired because um, we, we do record these uh, about a week after they air. And so today is February 12th, um, Super Sunday. Um, I did put on Twitter a clip from an animatic, which is an un which was an unproduced Clone Wars episode from season seven or season eight of Clone Wars. Part of part of the idea of this entire podcast was for us to study the animation of Lucasfilm, including the unproduced episodes. And so when you when they make episodes for the, for Clone Wars, they would have several versions of them. They would have the script version, and then they have the animatic version. And then at the animatic, it's it's really primitive animation. It's basically polygon animation. And so, like, their arms aren't connected to their bodies. They're just cylinders, and their heads are there, but their mouths aren't moving. Um, and then they have the actors doing, like, a draft of the voiceover. And then they, they add in the details and the textures and everything because these are untextured surfaces so there's no painting on them they're just solid colors um but but for the 30 something episodes that they didn't produce for the last seasons of clone wars they had animatics for over 20 of them at least partially completed and they've released some of these and they circulate online and so when i saw bad batch on kashyyyk um, in this episode, I knew that there was an animatic for the Bad Batch episodes meant for season eight of Clone Wars that was never made, where the Bad Batch go to Kashyyyk. And I sent you this clip. It's only, I think it was only two minutes long. Um, did you watch the clip? Yeah. Yeah, so so the clip was intended for Clone Wars episode. It takes place before Order 66, um, and they're on Kashyyyk. The Wookiees are riding those big, I don't know, how would you describe those things? They're called Malaya. So they look like like um, monkey, mouse, that's a good elephant way, good, things? That's a good way to put it. Like they're, they're elephant-sized monkey mice or like monkey rodents or something. They've got mm-hmm. monkey and rodent components and they're the... They're about the size of like a elephant, and they sort of jump around like a like a rhesus monkey or something. Um, they're very arboreal creatures. So this this scene, the Bad Batch has teamed up with Tarful and some other Wookies, and the the clip that we have from the show, they're headed someplace to head off a separatist attack, and the separatists and they're waylaid from the attack by encountering a nest of yeah, net casters. So the Bad Batch and the Wookiees encounter a nest of net casters, which are the spiders in this episode, the weird spider creatures that are basically the size of a man. And then the Wookiees and the Bad Batch have to fight their way through to intercept the um, troops and the troops that they're intercepting are um, separatist troops that are led by a Trandoshan sort of militia. And the Trandoshan leader in the script of that episode 
is named Venomore, which mm. is the Trandoshan leader in this episode. Um, we're not going to review this animatic because there's very little information. There's not a whole plot that we can review. I'm just sort of connecting the trivia of this short to the trivia of this episode. And so those spiders, we can get into this later, but the spiders are modeled after the spiders in KOTOR, um, Kenrath spiders, but we can get into the choices made for this episode later. So that's sort of the, the origins of this plot. And they do reference the plot. They do reference that this occurred in this episode. Do you have any commentary on the animatic I sent you? What did you think about it? Oh, I I thought it was I thought it was cool. I really I really like how they kind of tie, they tied it in. Cause I didn't even think that like oh they're referencing that animatic um, in this episode until I had seen it again after seeing the animatic. It's like because there's because they said that there was. Uh, there's like um, a tribe of Wookies that they've worked with before. I'm like, I wonder if they mean the animatic. And so, so that was kind of a, that's kind of a cool little. Um, I don't call it Easter egg, but just um, a connection. It's a huge payoff for someone that knows the animatic animatic exists. And I'll put it. I I 100% agree that the first time I watched it, I was not thinking of the animatic from a plot point of view. I was thinking this animatic exists. And so I want to see, like, I'll watch the episode, and then I cut the animatic clip out, and then I send it to you, and I post it on Twitter, <clears throat> and then I watch the animatic, and then watch the episode back-to-back. And then when I watch the episode right after the animatic, and I'm like, oh, I think they're implying that this actually happened. And, and the only thing that possibly contradicts that is that he seems surprised when he sees... The, the Bad Batch seem surprised when they see the Malaya later. And if, if the episode actually happened, they, they would have already seen them before. Yeah. But it, they could have just been surprised that they were there. Yeah. That it, they showed up on the Malaya. Yeah, so I was very excited that it got referenced and that it exists. Um, and then we get to see it and tie it to this episode. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we move forward? Uh, no. No, I'm, not, I'm excited to talk about this one. Uh, this episode. Everyone who's listening to this has seen the episode because these are 100% spoiler full um, reviews, and we all know it's Gunji. But until he reveals his name in the show, I left him as a Wookiee in the notes, mm-hmm. just because I think the reveal matters, and I want to talk about his reveal um, in our discussion. So here's the plot. The Marauder approaches a space station in orbit around a planet. The ship lands in a bay that is occupied by droids, Hunter says that the Vanguard Axis is known for illegal smuggling, so be ready for anything. Yeah, so, so this is like kind of like um, a droid um, mafia, mafia or something. I was I was thinking it was like the droid uh, droid Gotra at first. I was hoping they would tie it to the void droid Gotra, but this is the first appearance of the Vanguard Axis. It is the only reference to it in all of Star Wars. And they don't reference the Gotra at all. Yeah, and they're all the same droid. Um, it's a good call. They all sort of look like L3. Yeah. I really... Um, you only see it for a few uh, seconds from like them coming and going, but I really like the design of the spaceship. Or not the spaceship, but the, um, the space station. It looks like... Almost like a fried egg. Oh, that's a great description. It's like this platform with this bubble 
on it, like an offset center bubble. I I agree. Also, the just the shot they give you of the space station in orbit, it's like it's sitting on top of the planet. It's like in a high orbit, but like high from an equatorial point of view, not from an altitude point of view. I love it. It's it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Hunter Tech and Wrecker. So they land the ship in the in the landing bay, and Hunter Tech and Wrecker go forward to meet with the droids. Echo and Omega stay behind with the ship. Um, the droid boss in this office asks for the forgeries. These are chain codes that Tech has made for this job. They want to check them all. Tech says that's not necessary. The boss says, shut up, we're checking them. And the Bad Batch is sort of stuck in the office until they check every chain code. Yeah. That's kind of funny. It's like they're delivering drugs and like, no, it's it's totally real. This is Coke. And then the droid's like, no, we're going to do all this Coke to make sure that it's Coke. <laughs> Yeah. Back at the ship, Omega thinks there's something off about this place. Echo says he'll prep the ship for takeoff. While he goes inside, Omega hears a distant growl of a Wookiee. I had the sub, I had the sub, or the closed captioning on, and that's how it was listed in the closed captioning, a distant growl of a Wookiee. And she decides to investigate, so once again, Omega just wanders off. Um, she sees a young Wookiee being shocked by two of these droids. The droids tell her to back off, and then as she sort of distracts the droids, the Wookiee attacks. Um, he's doing okay, but then Omega has to use her bow to destroy one of the droids, and so now she's in for a penny and for a pound. Um, she's helped this Wookiee, and now they're best fast friends, right? Mm-hmm. Someone once made a joke on Twitter that is the Mandalorian just about Den going around the galaxy making best friends. Um. I'm starting to think that Bad Batch is just a show where Omega meets a character and becomes best friends with that character. Usually a child. But everybody loves Omega. Yeah. What what uh what char- what character did she make f- friends with and with faster? Um like Hera, right? And then and then later in in episodes that have aired, she becomes a confidant of the um, senator, the Pantoran senator, whatever uh, her name is. Yeah, all right, okay, all right, fine, never mind. Um, anyway, the droids tell her to back off. Uh, more droids are coming, so the Wookiee and Omega run. Um, they're working their way through some crates while more droids fill up the area. Omega and the Wookiee get separated at some point. As one of the droids approaches Omega, the Wookiee reappears and destroys the droid. The Wookiee... It should be noted, I know we know it's Gunji, but this Wookiee is basically an adolescent. The Wookiee is trying to find something in a crate. He's rummaging through a crate. Um, Echo runs up to Omega and the Wookiee and tells her she needs to go back to the ship. Omega says the Wookiee is in danger and they have to help him. Not knowing anything about his situation, because it's later revealed that she can't even speak Tree Wook. Yeah. Um, The Wookiee runs off after he sees Tech, um, and then Omega, and now Tech. Um, give chase to the Wookiee. Um, in the office, where the rest of the Bad Batch are, the chain codes are being checked. The boss receives a message that there's a situation. Hunter asks if there's a problem, and they completely ignore him. I, I love this this take. Um, he Hunter is beneath their notice. Mm-hmm. Tech says the blaster fire, fire they hear is probably Echo or Omega, but probably Omega. It's probably Echo or Omega, but it's probably Omega. Echo calls for reinforcements. I'm glad. I'm glad they were out of the office when he calls for reinforcements. Yeah. 
We need some help out here. <laughs> so the droids, the droids are just pouring into the area and they surround them. And, they, and then the droids basically say, you need to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And Omega says they can't leave because the droids are going to hurt the Wookiee. And the droid leader says, no, the Wookiee's worth a lot of life. So they're not going to hurt him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two things uh, on, on the leader. I was like, one, like, I liked how the leader has like a, like bandoliers on kind of like how um, the droid in uh, the Mandalorian episode where they, um, where they do the prison break, the droid had just like regular, like combat webbing. Yes. So it's just like, it didn't have the, these two droids didn't have like built in, like they weren't modded to hold things. They just used whatever, like, regular people would use yeah it's ig-11 again right like ig-11 in the mandalorian he's got bandoliers or whatever like like ration packs or whatever ammo packs on his on his thing but yeah that that droid in the prison episode where they break out the the twilight guy that's perfect i can't remember that guy's that that droid's name but i that's a wonderful visual because he, he was just geared up like a human would be yeah, and then the second thing is is that they don't really mention it again, but they he says that there's a buyer for Gunji. Um, so I was like, who who who's trying to buy Gunji? It's it's kind of like this has to be more. I wish we would know. I'm I'm glad they don't like pull on the thread because now we can now we can like headcanon it. This has to be more like Pershing stuff. This has to be like he's cloning. He's getting. He's looking for force sensitive beings to clone. Because who who would who would want him more than the Empire at this point? Yeah, um, I think I like black market, um, like um, gladiator. Um, like right. Did you finish? Slavers. Did you finish that High Republic book? Um, e, which one? The latest one. Where they had the gladiator fighting. We'll look up the name real quick. Oh, oh is it a super short book? The wasn't Battle of Jeddah. Didn't that have gladi- gladiatorial fighting in it? No, I don't think so. Or Convergence. I can't remember which one it was, but there was there was a a recent High Republic Phase Two book where one of the Jedi gets sold into a fighting ring and. And they have to do gladiatorial battle in order to win their in in order to basically be an entertainer. Um, yeah, so the droids surround them and suggest they just leave. Omega says they can't because they're going to hurt the wiki. I think I already did this part, but the lead droid says the wiki is worth a lot more than life. Yep. So Hunter says they can't smuggle living beings, which is a very clear moral stance that Hunter's taking. Um, the droid says they can do whatever they want. Basically, he says, like, for enough money, I can do whatever. All of a sudden, a lightsaber hilt flies off, like, sort of the belt of the lead droid into the Wookiee's hand, and a firefight erupts as the Bad Batch head back to the ship, and the lightsaber-wielding Wookiee child is in tow. They escape from, from the space station. So you see the, the ship flying away from the fried egg space, space station. Mm-hmm. Um, in hyperspace, it should be noted that the Wookiee needed to be convinced to go with them. But now they're in hyperspace, and Omega asks why the Wookiee is by himself in the back of the ship. Hunter says he's been through a lot, burying the lead. Um, I, I, this interaction between Hunter 
the wiki and the Bad Batch is written perfectly in my mind because the Bad Batch are holding back for Omega's sake and they can't do it for very long. So Omega brings him a food pouch, like a food box that Luke has on Dagobah and the other members of the Bad Batch get close. The wiki freaks out. Omega doesn't quite understand why he's afraid. Then Tech explains that the clones killed all the Jedi and they are clones. I love this moment. Mm-hmm. I think this is spoiler alert. I love this episode. Yeah, yeah. I just like how, how Tech is just like, oh yeah, he's he has a very good reason to be afraid. Yeah, yeah. Guys look guys that are exactly like us or almost exactly like us, all working for the same organization, killed everybody he cared about. Mm-hmm. He should be afraid, but here's why you shouldn't be afraid. Yeah, <laughs> it's it like this guy, this kid has lived through hell and he's found himself on the ship ship of the people that destroyed his life right he he should be afraid hunter tells the wookiee that they didn't follow those orders that they don't work for the empire the wookiee starts to eat and omega introduces herself as omega and the wookiee replies that his name is gunji and tech is translating so now we can officially officially know that this is gunji and for people who don't know, I'm sorry, watch more Star Wars. Gunji is the Wookiee Padawan from the Ilum episode where the five Padawans or six Padawans go with Ahsoka and Yoda to get their kyber crystals. I think mm-hmm. it's called the Gathering. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And he's he looks a little older here. He's got um he's got a shoulder pauldron uh now. Um It's good design. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, he still has like the, the, like the, I don't, I don't call it a snaggle tooth, but it's, yeah, it's like eye teeth, right? So he, he, like his eye teeth aren't quite right. Make, it's, it's a good way to telegraph that he's not quite mature. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Does, does he have a, does he have like the Wookiee equivalent of like a hair lip or something? But I mean, cause I can see like when he was a little kid, make, it makes him look very little kid like, cause he's doesn't, one of his teeth isn't in, but now it's kind of like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he should have that tooth by now. Um, I mean, this might be this might be a few years later, and Wookiees live for hundreds of years, and so their development might be different rates at different stages. You know, a prepubescent Wookiee might be they might be twenty or thirty when they go through puberty, right? Mm-hmm. And so that first chunk of their life might be a little stretched out. They might have a long functional adulthood. Yeah. And then elder, like I was trying to explain to my kids this weekend, it's like, like, like think about your life in t- roughly twenty-year chunks, right? Like these are the big chunks. Like your first twenty years is when you're learning and being a student. Your second twenty years is when you're building your family and being the person you're going to be. And the next twenty years is sort of when you're transitioning to getting your kids to get be in their transition between their first and second twenty-year thing, and then. The last 20 years, you're just figuring out a a dignified way to die, right? But there's like those chunks of years. Those might be slightly different in different species. We we talk about like like in The Mandalorian, they say like 50 years might be – it could be a baby, right? Mm -hmm. could be baby Yoda could absolutely be 50 years because Yoda lived for 900 years. And so obviously the first 100 years, they're pretty helpless or the first 50 years are pretty helpless. Okay, he's very small. But yeah. I agree that the design of this this 
they make him look older, but still make him look young. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe he's like I mean, like you said, like oh, he lost his tooth, but he's not going to get the new tooth for like it's going to take like ten years for it to come in. Poor guy. Or it got knocked <laughs> out. Yeah, he left in a fight. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he. So Gunji reveals that he's been on the run since Order sixty six, and he's been trying to get to Kashyyyk. Because where else are going to go? They they consider they briefly talk about taking him there, and Echo says the Empire might already be there, and it's not safe. Hunter says there's no place safe for a Jedi, right? And so there's basically no place they can take him. They might as well take him where he wants to go, right? Mm-hmm. Let the chips chips fall where where they may. Um, Wrecker says they haven't been to Kashyyyk in a long time. This is the reference. Um, there's two two references, and Wrecker saying this is one of them to the animatic. Um, on the approach to the planet, Hunter says they're headed to a place where they know the Wookiees, and they can help Gunji. This is the other reference, that they've been here and they've worked with a tribe before. They scan the area, and there's smoke and deforestation. Hunter tells Gunji to hide his laser sword since they don't want additional attention. Although I don't know who he thinks they're going to run into down there. And also, Gunji does not comply with this request. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He does temporarily. He puts it in a satchel. Yeah. The ship lands in a forest, and Gunji doesn't remember anything about the planet, but he says he dreams about it. Um, they come upon a group of spider webs, and Wrecker heads in and cuts down the webs with a dagger. Um, a group of net casters descend on the group. So these are like, these are the human-sized spiders I was talking about earlier. Yeah. They're sort of spiders with an abdomen and like an, they're upright standing. What do you think about these the design of these things? Yeah, they're weird. Like, and they've got like a big like like beak, arm, mouth thing that's like so instead of just like um, like a mouth on their body, it's like an appendage. Their 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 mouth is. It sticks out like. Yeah, and in the animatic, um, they don't do it in this episode. But in the animatic, they spit webbing from that beak, and and that's part of what they're fighting. Part of what the Bad Batch and the clones are fighting um, is these like volleys of basically webbing that they're being shot with. They're basically being shot with these sticky webs all the time. And they don't do it in this episode. Um, but it's it's sort of a cool appendage. Um, so the Bad Batch are about to attack these netcasters, but Gunji talks them out of it. They will not attack if if the Bad Batch are not a threat. Gunji uses the Force to reassure the netcasters. The netcasters leave them alone. The Bad Batch proceed to the village. They come to a clearing, sort of overlooking like a valley, and the Force is on fire. Tex says the village is straight ahead. But by the time they get there, it is destroyed and burning. It looks like it was recently destroyed. I like I like yeah. that detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's still some embers. Yeah, Hunter sees tracks on the ground. He says that they're from a tank. Um, although I don't know how you see tracks from a tank, a hover tank, but I'm not a tracker. Um, and he says the Empire has wiped out the village. Um, Gunji is upset, and Omega reassures him and says the Empire destroyed her home as well. So she's the empathy. They hear some sort of speeder or an engine, and they run to investigate. Tech looks through some binox and sees that Trandoshans have wiki hostages and separatist tanks. The tank that they have is actually pretty cool. It instead of like a cannon, it's fit with like a huge flamethrower. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's meaningful because they're in a forest and transitions are trying to destroy the Wookiee forest. Yeah. There's, I, I think, go ahead. I think the U.S. had similar things in Vietnam. You think this is like their version of Agent Orange? Yeah, but they, um, I think they had tanks that, um, that, that yeah, that, that were basically the humongous flamethrowers. Sure. This is, this is a defoliation exercise for sure. Right. And they just want to burn, burn their way through the forest. I like how Star Wars has established this um, cultural racism between the Wookiees and the Trandoshans. And we see it everywhere. Yeah. We, we see it in Book of Boba Fett when he's talking with the mob bosses and the tribute from the Trandoshans <clears throat> is Wookiee Pelts. Yeah. Oh, um, quick side note. I, I just looked it up. Like, pretty much every country has them. Has them. A flamethrower tank? Yeah, and they've been around since, like, World War II. At, yeah, I figured. At least. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a very hard hard tech to imagine, right? Yeah. But it's it's good that there's continuity there. Yeah. But, yeah, I do like the um, – sorry sorry to get back to what you were said about the, the Wookiees and the Trandoshans, the Trandoshans that they're um, – there's, like, just, like, this, like, deep, like, rivalry, hatred between them. Um, and the Trandoshans, uh, Trandoshans, sorry, um, they trade in Wookiee pelts, which is like that means like that was a Wookiee who was alive, right? And not to not to talk about Book of Boba Fett the entire time, but um, Black Rasantin rips off the arms of the Trandoshan um, business person in um, the bar. Right, mm-hmm. and she's begging him. Um, whatever I can't remember her her character name is, but like the the Twilight woman, she's trying. She's begging him not to do it, and like like stroking his ego, saying like, "You don't have to do this. Like you're the best." <laughs> and he just walks over and he rips the guy's arm off and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> like the hatred of these races, these species, runs deep. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, the Trandoshans are just destroying the forest, including these carved stones with significance to the prisoner Wookiee. Um, the Bad Batch watches this, and while they're watching, Gunji goes out to meet the tank and pulls out his lightsaber. The Trandoshans attack um, Gunji, but he pushes forward and frees the Wookiee prisoner. Now the Bad Batch are fully into the fight. They fight back and destroy the tank. Gunji cuts through the tank with his lightsaber. This small detachment of Trandoshans has been destroyed. I also want to point out that um, Bad Batch is known for using stun, and they are not. Yeah. They're shooting to kill. Yeah, I noticed and this too. They're wiping people out, and I'll point out, we can we can track this through the episode, but Gunji does not kill anybody. He is, he is using non-lethal force the entire time. Um, Bad Batch is using lethal force. So they put out the fires, and the next morning they meet additional Wookiees riding on the Malaya. And the Malaya are these, what we discussed earlier, they're these giant, like, monkey, mouse, elephant things. Um, back at another Wookiee village, they meet a Wookiee leader named Yana, like an old woman Wookiee. She introduces herself. Hunter tells her that they're there to return Gunji to his home village, but they don't know who that is, where that is. She meets Gunji. 
And she asks them if they were soldiers of the Republic. Hunter confirms that they were, but they are no longer, and they don't work for the Empire. Hunter says they came because Gunji needs his people. He makes a point about Gunji being a child. This is Hunter's paternal instinct on display once again. Um, yeah. Any comment on Yana? Uh, yeah, I liked her design. Very Ewok-like. Um, it's... Um... Yeah, I think this is the first like canon female that that we know that we know of. I mean, Mala is canon, but she's never appeared, right? There's never been. I can't think of a female Wookiee that's appeared in canon on screen. But the existence of Chewie's family from the holiday special was confirmed by aftermath, and then subsequent materials like. The Princess and the Scoundrel and things like that reference Chewie's marriage. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, but, I, I missed that book. Um, we're, we we talked about it briefly on the show. Um, I don't think it's one that you would particularly enjoy. But when you move into my basement, um, <laughs> there's a whole bookshelf of Star Wars books you can just read yeah. the entire time you're here. Well, I'm, sh- <laughs> well, I'm shackled. <laughs> Like um, I don't know. Did you did you see? I think it was called the. Oh, there was this show that my wife and I watched. It was kind of dark. Um, had Steve Carell and. Uh, the patient. The patient. Yeah. So where he kidnaps Steve Carell to to be his therapist, and so I'm just imagining you're just gonna kidnap me and shackle me downstairs so I can have someone to talk to Star Wars with. And then, I assume I assume that one or both of our li- wives will eventually wise up and leave us. And that we'll end up we'll end up living in this basement. <laughs> or I just I don't know I just imagine just like uh, like begging your wife or to like let me out and she's like, no, it's better this way because then I don't have to talk to him about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> Shit. But. Uh, yeah, I really liked her. Um, I really liked her uh, design. I don't remember this happening anywhere else, but I remember it first seeing it first, um, at least uh, recognizing it first, as like a, a Wookiee greeting or, or or saying goodbye or something where they they put their heads together, because um, Chewie does that with the Wookies that they they free. Um, Chewie does that. Chewie does that to Han in. The carbon freezing chamber they put their their foreheads together so it might be a wiki greeting or a wiki goodbye yeah i think it's some sort of a like uh show of affection or um something like that um yeah shoot i have to i have to watch that now because I, I don't remember that yeah now I'm, now I'm i'm running through all of that stuff now um but yeah that's that's good continuity um, so back with the Trandoshans, the, their commander is named Venomore. We talked about him earlier as being the commander in the animatic. Um, he arrives with the clone troopers. He is with clone troopers, not with stormtroopers. And they see lightsaber marks on the destroyed tank, and Venomore offers 100 Wookiee pelts to anyone that can find the Jedi. Yeah. Well, I like how the... He, um, well, it's strange that like he's like actually in like you know, outranks the clones somehow because the clones are like, oh, we gotta, we gotta tell uh, the uh, Imperial Command about a, a Jedi, and and he's just like, no, nah, 
you don't have to do that. We're going to kill him. So, like, that kind of, like... Uh, it, it is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. It's like he's been... It's like he contracted them or something. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's why they don't... Um, you don't have to worry about, like, like a clone trooper seeing uh, Gunji using his lightsaber and then being like, oh, shit, a Jedi, and then a massive invasion to find him. Because nobody, nobody tied to the Emperor or the Empire knows that uh, he's there. Exactly. This also might be part of the plot of giving the clones the shitty jobs, right? It's like, like, oh, like these Trandoshans need support to burn down this forest on fucking Kashyyyk as they, they loot all of the natural resources. Yeah, that's grunt work. You can give it to the, the clones. So back at the Wookiee village at night, they're eating dinner. Hunter loves it. He loves it there. Um, Yana agrees to let Gunji stay with her. But Yana's scouts spot a large column of soldiers coming their way. Yana tells the Bad Batch they should leave. Hunter says they should help and says they don't have to do this alone. The Wookiees go outside and put their hands on the roots of a tree. Gunji joins them. They're asking the trees for help. Um, the Trandoshan con- convoy is getting close. I misspelled that word. Um, the trees have a plan. Hunter agrees to follow the trees' plan. Yeah. So you skipped over the part where they're drinking uh, Wookiee moonshine. I said, Hunt- I said Wrecker likes it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about it? <laughs> no, no, it's all right. Um, it's jet juice. It's tree juice. <laughs> this is. We talked about this a lot um, in our Ewoks review episode, but there's a lot of paganism in this. And paganism is what I call like nature worship or like tree worship. And I was having a conversation with someone recently and I was like, it's like paganism. It's tree worship. And I said, although you can see a tree, so it makes sense. Right. Poking fun of like Judeo-Christian ethic of believing in something you can't see. Um, or the desert religion ethic of believing in something you can't see. It doesn't have to be a Jew or a Christian. It could be any of the crazies. Um, but this is this is clearly like like communing with nature, believing the signals that nature is telling you, and like, oh, the trees have a plan, so we're going to do the tree plan. Yeah, like, um, okay. Right. I mean, there, there's a there's a term for this in like psychology hostage negotiation psychology sort of thing that's called Bible babble. It's like where you just agree to whatever they're saying just to keep them talking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like, oh, the trees told me, like, of course they did. I believe you. Of course the trees told you to do this. What are we doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the trees told me to, the trees told me to, uh, that you need to give me all your money and to bring the hottest, uh, um, Wookiee, uh, young Wookiee female from, uh, every village. Uh, surrounding village to me. Right, you've heard my joke previously, I'm sure, where I've said, like, all all cults start with peace and love and end with bring me all the teenage girls. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're about peace and love and inclusion and and acceptance. I'm going to need all the 16-year-old girls. Because God said so. Yeah, that's what God said. Yeah, that's what your God told you. All right, so the clone troop. So back with the clone trooper column, they're sort of walking through the forest. And they say they've lost the trail, but they're going to continue, and they're immediately surrounded and in an ambush. 
they're taking they're getting fired on from multiple angles. The Wookiees on Malaya are attacking and the Bad Batch are drawing the troops forward with blaster fire. The convoy is being drawn into a nest. On both sides are taking losses. Gunji goes out into the battle with his lightsaber. Venomore sees Gunji and gives pursuit. Yeah. I thought it was there's a, a I don't want to say funny, but just weird scene where like they first attack and then like there's two Wookiees on one of these uh, Malayas and they're like <laughs> like doing the typical Wookiee thing, shaking their arms in the air, and then immediately the one sitting behind the other one gets shot and then so the other Wookiee's like, Oh right, we're in a battle. <laughs> yeah, it you question you question the tactics sometimes in these scenes, but I think it's just it's supposed to be like allegorical, mostly like like they're doing their thing and they're getting they're taking losses. But yeah, it, it is mildly I wouldn't call it comical, but it's it's one of those moments where it's like, oh yeah, you fucked up. <laughs> like don't do that, dummy. Yeah. Um. So the clones and the Tyranitrans are still coming, but the Wiki Warriors are just pounding pounding on the trees. They have like they're basically hitting the trees with the butts of their rifles. And as the Tyranitrans and clones go into this clearing or this other section of the forest, these netcasters pour out of the trees and attack the soldiers. And this is sort of like the every part of the Buffalo moment of the episode mm-hmm. where all like nature is on the side of the Wookiees, including these netcasters, even though in the animatic, the Wookiees are fighting the netcasters. We'll, we'll just say that that's not canon. Yeah. Well, it's like Avatar where the, um, he, uh, it's been so long now and I haven't seen the second one where he, he reaches out to the, to the, the the big mother tree uh, for help. Right, right, the Gaia tree, yeah. Yeah, and um, then all of a sudden, like, all the animals, forest animals join in the battle to, to help them. Yeah, it's same same idea here, right? It's just furthering the paganism theme that nature is like a force, and it works. Um, so during this... Wait, sorry, I lost my place. Yeah, so during this, Gunji, Venomore, and trailing both Omega run off into another clearing. Venomore is fixated on catching the Jedi. Um, they come into a clearing, and Venomore uses a flamethrower he brought with him to light up the forest floor on fire. And he's trying to flush Gunji out, but Gunji is up in a tree. He jumps down and engages Venomore and cuts his flamethrower in half. And at this point, three or four netcasters descend into the area and wrap Venomore in a web and draw him into the trees. So even in this even in this encounter, Gunji is not required to kill yeah. Venomore. He lets the spiders do it. Yeah, it's a it's a I don't want to say disturbing, but just the it's just a little just kind of like oh boy, it's it's not going to go good for, for it's, him. It's potentially the worst way to die. Yeah. Right, because we think about spiders in our like if you're a fly and you're eaten by a spider, oftentimes the venom injected by the spider is just a ton of proteases and enzymes that just liquefy your insides to make it easier to consume. So I assume that's what happens to this guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's just a bag of liquid to this, these spiders, and they're just going to drink him. <laughs> yeah. So Omega calls out to Gunji, and the two return to the Bad Batch to tell him that the fire 
that Venomor set with the flamethrower is just out of control. Yeah. The, the Bad Batch and the Wookiee return to the spot to put out the fire, and now we sort of um, cut to morning, and it's all clear. The fire's out. A lot of good fire safety in this episode. You'd, you'd think, like, at the end, there would be, like, a, a message about uh, uh, fire safety when you're camping or something, because they, they spend a good portion just digging to, to put out fires. This isn't the 80s. They don't have to put, like, a uh, uh, knowing to have the battle message at the end to, to claim that it's an educational program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a, you know, a bunch of Wookiees. Now you know not to set off a firework with your hand wrapped around it. <laughs> yeah. G.I. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> I just, did you remember for a while there was like, like sending uh just like like sending um, like memes of like uh, Cobra or no, it's actually memes of um, of uh, a GI Joe, but they're all like 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 super Trump uh, related ones. No, <laughs> there's like like one of the guys is just like he, he's he's telling I'm kids. Not paying your lawyers, half the battle. He's not. It's like snow. Like that was the I don't know the snow guy's name, but he's like trying to teach kids about snow safety or something but you he just looks like he's yelling at the kids so so uh, i it's just like trump 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 just he's screaming at the kids like and then like oh well, there's some other ones that i'd like i'm pretty sure the snow gi joe is called snow job <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even joking i think that's his name <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, this I gotta see. Um, I'm, I'm putting a link in. I'm putting a link in, in Skype. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you expect from a guy from Vermont? <laughs> His character is from Vermont. But, but yeah, that's like the, the scene where he... Almost like where he's just like yelling at the kids. <laughs> but yeah, there's I, I did appreciate that like in this episode that normally like shit gets destroyed or shit goes bad and then they're just like um um like whatever, not gonna clean anything up. Uh and this one they were very uh they were very conscious to make sure that um um Jesus, snow job gives some interesting images. Um, that that they actually were doing, like, okay, this this area has caught fire. Let's let's take care of uh, let's take care of it. You know. Only who can prevent forest fires? You pressed you, referring to me. That is incorrect. The correct answer is you. Good. It's good natural resource management at minimum, mm-hmm. right? It's, and they're using, they're digging up the fire, right? And they don't actually show up, but they're turning over the soil. And once again, tied back to Ewoks, the Ewoks episode, when Wicket and Weechi and Tebow are accused of starting the fire, um, Chirpa shows up and shows them that if they just turn the dirt over, the fire goes out. And then they get punished again because of the Wisties um, that are the Fire Wisties. 
Boys, stand back and watch. This is the way to put out a fire. Like I said earlier, I'm ranting too much. Um, Hunter and Tech, back to the plot. Hunter and Tech watch as Omega and Gunji are praying at the tree. Hunter remarks that they're just kids. Yana says when a young one leaves, the trees cry. When they return, the trees sing. Maybe they will all find a new path. Hunter agrees and says hopefully one far away from war. The end. We did it. We made it through another episode of Bad Batch. And our recording is absurdly long, so I'm going to get right into it. Did you like it? But yeah, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. Um, it, it, it was moving a little bit, then bringing Gunji in, and hitting like him being a, him being afraid of the clones, and then just seeing seeing him as a little bit older. He's not like I doubt he was a Padawan, but he um, just seeing him in action. Um, I, I really enjoyed. I just enjoyed the whole thing overall. So, so you and I, you and I sometimes disagree on the show about um, what is and isn't a filler. Would you consider this episode filler? Yeah, in, in a um, in a sense, but because um, it doesn't fit in the main storyline. But then, what is the main storyline? This is this is. This is my central hypothesis, right? When, when you and I disagree about filler, I like the episodes where they're doing nothing because it feels like they're in limbo and they're trying to figure out what they need to be doing. The next two episodes, so we're recording we're recording this after the release of the double episode week where we see Rex and sort of the Rampart episode. I'm not going we're not going to talk about the plot there. That is the the A plot of the series is what's going on with Rampart and like the clone replacement and all of that stuff. This B plot stuff I find endlessly interesting. And this, and this is probably, we go back to Kashyyyk in a way that we haven't been to Kashyyyk before. We see Gunji, who is a, a character that's in a few episodes of clone wars, but is a beloved character, mm-hmm. right? Like even the droid Huan or however you want to say his name. Um, he 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 talks about how rare it is for a Wookiee Jedi to be identified and how proud his people must be. We see more Wookiee culture. It ties back to previous animatic art. All of this is like hitting my Star Wars sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. I love all of this. Yeah, I love when they have. Um, they do like the non-traditional um, Jedi uh, species. Um, like yes, the like with Gunji, and then like I'm gonna D. Um, there's Buryaga, um, from the High Republic. Oh yeah, you're just doing wikis. Yes, yes, um, Buryaga is a wonderful Jedi, even in those books. Like he, like he's heavily empath- empathetic, and he's one of the ones that senses what's going on on the ship during the um, hyperspace disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and then there's plenty of plenty of uh, other ones um, as well, and like in the like in the EU, even I think there was even uh, a Hut Jedi. There was, yeah. And the I'm gonna die Jedi. He's he's a Nikto, and Niktos are almost always portrayed as villains. And I'm gonna die, or I'm gonna die. He's gonna he laid it all down for the uh, um, Twi'leks and Ryloth. 
I'm with you. I, I like when they push when they push on the Jedi tendencies. There was a Trandoshan Jedi. Oh yeah. In, in the Battle for Jedi. Um. What? Um. Master Skier was there. Oh well, no, Master Skier is the other. He's in Phase One. Of of but yeah, he's he's a Trandoshan Jedi who loses an arm. Um and 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 what's his Padawan's name? Oh, it's probably the acolyte. Um, Trennis. Uh, yeah, Trennis. So she's refer- Trennis. she's referenced in Jedi Lost. Yeah, um, but there's but there's a female there's a female Trandoshan Jedi in the Battle of Jedi. Are Are you sure she's Trandoshan? Yes. yes, I'm sure. Which one was it? I know there was a there's like a Nikto one. Yeah, Ada. Something rather, her uh, she was a Nikto. Oh, I'm getting it mixed up. Sorry, it's Nikto. My bad. Partial credit. Oh man, because I was just going holy. Wow. No, you're right. You're right. It's Skier. Skier is the Trandoshan one. We're also Sid is a Trandoshan. We're seeing a lot of Trandoshan stuff yeah. in, this, in this series. Yeah. Um, I, I, everybody, forgive me for getting Niktos and Trandoshans mixed up. I'm not a racist. Okay. <laughs> just all reptilian species look the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> and here I was. I was going to mention that I really, really um, ex- exploring like how the Trandoshans look like. We've we talked. There's a lot you're of break, different. You're, break, you're breaking up. A, you're breaking up a little bit. Sorry. Okay. How about now? It's better. I, I only I caught. I missed half of that sentence. You're talking oh, about okay. Trandoshans. So we we talked about the difference in Trandoshans uh, before, but they're really kind of like leaning to. Like how they look, like so much different. There's one that looked had like kind of like a pointier head, like a snake in the, in this episode. Um, some of them look more human than others. Um, some of them have like bigger bigger eyes, look a little more lizard-like. Venomore almost looked bald. Like it, they don't have hair, but but his his skull was so smooth. It had so few protuberances on it, protuberances on it that he looked bald as opposed to like, what was his name? Like Cormac a few episodes ago, where we talked about, um, he was like one of the henchmen in the fast and the furious episode mm-hmm. where, where he was also one of the hunters of like Ahsoka in the episode way back. Um, yeah. Cause some of them have like spines like Sid has spines, right? But this Venomore guy, he doesn't. Yeah, and so who knows? Like, there's there's a lot of biological variation in there. Do you have any Do you have any comments on the design or the connection to the animatic or the greater, or any connections to other Star Wars other than, other than like Gunji being in the Gathering? Um, anything you want to talk about here? Uh, no. No, I'm. Um, the only, the I'm only production, the only production note I have is that is that in the um, StarWars.com page for this episode, um, they say that they in they considered using the um, spiders from Jedi Fallen Order, which are called Wushok spiders, Wushok spiders that are present on Kashyyyk. Um, I haven't played this game as much as my son has, the older son. Um, he loves it. And he's shown me these beasts in like the training mode. 
and they are very intimidating spiders. Um, but they decided at, they decided during the production that they would stick to the original spiders from the unproduced Clone Wars episodes based on the Kinrath spiders of KOTOR. Mm-hmm. But they're not the same spiders as the spiders in KOTOR. Yeah. That is that is established in canon. They're different. Do You you played Fallen Order and KOTOR, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about these spiders? They're as freaky. Like a, as like a villain. Oh, I like them. They're... they're, they're... Freaky spider. Any spider creatures um, kind of freak me out. Um, so, and um, yeah, they're just gross and weird and freaky. Humans actually are evolutionarily evolutionarily tuned to detect spiders. They're a big enough threat to humans that there's some sense memory from an evolutionary point of view to avoid spiders. Um, there was a nice study done where they had college kids um, stare at a computer screen, basically say, like, hit the button when the screen goes from red to blue. And the screen is basically all red or all blue, but there's, like, things moving, like shapes moving in the screen to distract them. Mm-hmm. It might be, like, a whale that swims by or, like, a dog that runs through, like, just, like silhouettes or, like, a spider, like a silhouette of a spider going through. And... Um, after they hit, after they acknowledged that it went from red to blue, they asked them if they noticed anything on the screen. And the people who had a silhouette of a spider run across the screen, as opposed to any other animal, um, almost 80% of the people identified the spider, as opposed to 30% of the people who identified another shape. So more than two and a half times the number of people would recognize that a spider ran across the screen than, say, a dog or a cat or any other shape. Oh, that's... Some, something about a spider fucks with he, he, humans' minds. Oh, that's that's crazy. It's Yeah, like, um, I think of, like, like uh, Sheila from um, Lord of the Rings. It's just like, ugh, or the, um, the spider... That scene fucks me up. That, that scene fucks me up. <laughs> Or um, the uh, or those I, I don't know their names, but the ones that were um, in the Mandalorian. Krinka, Krinkna, predatory, non-sentient spider-like creatures native to Adalon. That was actually you and I have talked about this. That was actually concept art from from um, Macquarie about about things to to put on Dagobah. Mm-hmm. But they they show up in Rebels and Adalon, and then and then they're they're in um, Mandalorian. But the Mandalorian they had a sort of like a, a pack that came with the Mandalorian and like six of those spiders of different sizes. And then someone made a 3D print of them that I have not printed myself that you can scale to any size you want. I have a fantasy about making one that's big as big as the Razor Crest to like wrap its legs around the Razor Crest. Um, maybe someday, <laughs> soon. They're a terrifying. They're a terrifying monster. Yeah, uh, it's like arachnophobia level stuff. That whole episode of Mandalorian is like arachnophobia. I'm I'm somewhere in the 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 fight and freeze when it when it comes to seeing spiders. So fight or flight, you mean? Well, fighter. No, well, I guess it's fl- the same thing. There's 
there's a third option. People don't like to talk about it, but it's just freeze. Just like don't do anything. <laughs> so okay, so now's the time where we rank an episode. Uh, here at Yupcast, we rank episodes by Star Wars characters. So a really great episode would be an original trilogy character, such as Luke, Han, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc. A really bad episode would be like I don't know. Let's go with uh, uh, Petro. Petro is the kind of annoying um, human. Uh, youngling from the gathering so matt what um what is your rank for this episode i really like this episode a lot and i'm tempted to give it a super high ranking but i think i'm gonna i'm going to give it a sabine oh that's because pretty good i think i think sabine sabine we haven't talked about rebels much sabine is an amazing character and she provide i think she's going to provide a lot of continuity connectivity moving forward She's been cast in live action. This is pre-Ahsoka. Our recording is pre-Ahsoka. Um, so I think Sabine is a character that we're, that we were beginning to understand the importance of. And I hope Gunji is one of those characters. And I hope this episode is not the last we see of Gunji. And that it connects Clone Wars to something greater in the future. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out that I listened to a, another Star Wars podcast where we appeared as guests on called Hyperspace Heroes, where one of their one of their cast members asked why wasn't Gunji in the Star Wars Holiday Special if he was on Kashyyyk at this time, and it made me laugh out loud. <laughs> um, I think I think Gunji as a character has a lot of potential now. Yeah, Chewbacca's racist father drove him away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Chewbacca's father has problematic MAGA views. <laughs> no, no one wants to be around that. That's that's established Jebcast canon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and whether whether you whether you're aligned with him or not, you understand how how divisive those beliefs are. But I do think I do think there's a lot of potential here for additional stories. One thing I didn't mention in the wrap up is a piece of trivia on StarWars.com is that this is the beginning of a 25-year occupation of Kashyyyk. Right. And that it is not resolved until the Aftermath series of novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they only... And it only gets resolved there because Han decides to... Chewie calls in a favor with yeah. Han. And, and so they have to do something about it. Otherwise, the New Republic was just... It, it wasn't a... It wasn't a priority for them yeah and that and that's a that's a tragic practicality of um of government right that doesn't that just never materializes in something that's that's warm and fuzzy right and so i love that the idea that there's a continuous resistance for 25 years on kashik and now they have a gunji yeah i, I really hope At, I At really, the beginning, they have the Gunji. Yeah, I really yeah. hope uh, first thing they do is take Gunji's lightsaber away, <laughs> um, because yeah, we'll just hold on to this for you. Yeah, because the second that somebody sees him with it, that is going they're gonna crack down on it uh, big time. Um, but this is Michael Collins level shit, right? This is like representative hero. But he doesn't have to be 
the guy out in front with the lightsaber deflecting the blaster bolts, he could be the inspirational person who's like, I I fought for everything that you believe in. I'm going to be the nucleus around which that you coalesce. I'm not saying that this is what Michael Collins did for Ireland, but like, there's plenty of examples in you in um, human history where a whole movement is typified by a person. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh yeah. The, do you have one? Yeah, I, well, I had one, but yours is so much better than mine. So okay, I'll give it a Tarful because just like cool character, cool cool episode. I enjoyed it immensely. But it, um, I wanted to give it something high because it, it really made me – I really, really enjoyed it. I love Tarful as a character. I think I think a, a leading Wookiee warrior who has a relationship with Yoda is a really powerful character. All right. Well, th- that's the episode. Thanks for listening. Um, be sure uh, to um, give us five stars in whatever podcast aggregator that you use. Uh, we don't uh, – put any money in advertising so go ahead tell a friend if you enjoyed it uh if you didn't enjoy it go ahead as a joke tell somebody that you don't really care about uh, about us so at least we can get some download numbers all right so we will be back with um the next episodes of bad batch thank you for downloading and listening to this episode we would also like to thank jordan white for the use of his cover of yub as our intro and outro music Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da